Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23. And I love this background. I chose it because it says what this verse says. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away. So we can look at the sky, the heavens, and know He's a God far away, but also the person there knowing that He's also a God at hand. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away. Father, I thank You for this word that tells us you are both and you are you are near and you are far away and that's important that we understand that concept of both distance and nearness and I pray you'd help us see that this morning as we open your word and I pray this in Jesus name amen you may be seated I know the social media, and, and I'm, I'm about to say something because I'm, it's going to sound like I'm going to praise a couple of, uh, uh, of, of not just social media, but platforms that we use. I know that there is a lot of things going on today that make these, these kinds of social media outfits and search engines and so forth uh, not near and dear to our heart. But I will say that through the years, I have been amazed at what you can find on YouTube. I think I've shared this story before, I'm not sure. But I was changing out a toilet one day, and I got down to took the toilet out, and there was this flange, this metal flange that I could not get off. And I knew in order to put the other toilet on, I had to get this flange off. And it was rusted, and I couldn't figure out how it came off, and I was... I was trying to every way I could, and I didn't want to do too much because I didn't want to damage anything and then have to call a plumber. That's what I was trying to avoid in the first place was having to pay a plumber to do this. So I thought, what am I going to do? So I decided I'd look on YouTube. And sure enough, there was a YouTube of a guy who was doing changing out a toilet and had, was it, dealing with that same exact flam. He looked at it in the same color, same design, and everything. And he showed how to take the thing off. And it worked. I followed his instructions, and I was very grateful. And, but I later thought to myself, who would think in the middle of changing out a toilet, I'm going to go get my camera and videotape this? I mean, I'm glad he did. And by the way, I did not pull out my camera and videotape what I was doing. I've really never done that and never posted anything on YouTube. But I was grateful that people actually do that sort of thing. And uh, I've, I've been convinced that you can find anything on the Internet. Yeah, I, I remember when I first started using the World Wide Web, and uh, I, I remember one of the early, some of the early search engines, there was an Archie and Gopher and so forth, but one of the main ones was Yahoo. And, uh, and I remember in those days, you know, sometimes it was slow and it didn't find everything. Now you've got Google. And Google, you think you, you can find anything. While, while I was writing these notes, I decided to do a little experiment just to test it out. I wanted to search for some random word to see how fast Google would find it and, and how many hits it, that Google would have. And so I was trying to think of a random word. What do I search? And I thought, oh, I'll search random. So I typed in the word random and I hit return. And as soon as I hit return... It gave me 1,470,000,000 hits in 0.57 seconds. 
So that's, that's where we are today. That's pretty incredible. But what if I told you that there is something that you can't search on the Internet? That, that if you Googled it, the page would have to come up blank every single time. Well, I want to get back to that in just a minute in my message, but think about that for a moment. What if there's something that you can't find or search on the Internet? So what I want to share with you, what's on my heart this morning, is, you know, I know all the stuff that went on this week and, you know, 2021. I saw a meme that said, okay, we're five days into 2021. I'm ready for 2022 now. You know, we, we can't give up like that. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that's happening. And I, and I mentioned to you last Sunday that don't think that because you changed a calendar page that everything is going to magically go away, that we're st- we still have issues to deal with, and we're always going to have issues. But I don't want to talk to you about man this morning. I, I don't want to focus on public figures or groups or political parties, or he said, she said, or eyewitness accounts, and those kinds of things. I don't want to talk about that at all. I don't want to focus on all that. You know, we can get addicted to that sort of thing, can't we? We can get addicted to watching all this stuff, and I think for far too long, too many of us have allowed ourselves to be addicted to that kind of, that kind of news and, stuff and so forth. And what I want to do this morning is to put the spotlight back on God, to put our attention back on the one who actually deserves our attention, all right? So it's where our focus should always be, and and we should really see everything else, every other event, our entire world, only through the lens of God and his kingdom and his word. Listen, our world is begins with God, and it ends with God. I want to make two statements here. It begins with God over us, and it ends with God with us. Uh, Go ahead and put up the next slide here. The Bible says that we, we begin with God over us. In the beginning, God created us. And this is the last line of the of the Bible, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. So it begins with God over us, and it ends with God with us, all right? So if you look back, if you look backwards in time, there he was. If you look forwards, there he will be. And if you look around right now, there he is. Here's the verse uh, that says it all in Romans chapter 11, verse 36. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. All things are from him. All things pass through him, and all things ultimately redound to his glory. They, they are to him. Do you think that deserves our attention? I wonder how often we actually practice what Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first, always seek first, the kingdom of God. And listen, that's not a one-time thing. It's not an entry. I don't know if you have to-do lists or not, but if you do, don't think of seek first the kingdom of God. Don't think that, that this is just an entry at the top of your to-do list for the day. And, and you, when you're done with it, when you say, okay, I've done the God thing, we scratch it off and you move on. Okay, now that I've got that out of the way, 
Now that I've done my thing with God, I can scratch that off and then go mow the yard or do whatever. Seek first is always and at all times. In other words, seeking first doesn't mean seeking first in sequence. It means seeking first in everything you do. And everything you do, it's always God first. It's in, first in importance no matter what you're doing. It should color everything we, you do and what you think and your conversations and your opinions. God and his kingdom must be the environment from which we operate our work. Why? Because as believers, we live in that kingdom, we operate in that kingdom, we follow the king of that kingdom, and we need the instruction of that kingdom. And nothing should deter or distract us from that kingdom. Who am I kidding? They, they do. Things distract us from that kingdom, right? Life distracts us from that, that kingdom. Let's talk about that for a minute. Have we been distracted? I wrote a series of questions, and they were main, mainly to myself. So I'm going to read these. Have we been distracted? So I want you to honestly answer these things in your heart. Have we been distracted by this world? Has 2020 stolen the attention that God deserves from us? Do events easily divert our minds from God? Here's one. Are we more apt to open Facebook or open our Bible? Which one of those, by the way, do you think instructs you more? Which one of those things tells you more about your world? You know, you'd think, well, Facebook tells me more about my world. No, the Word of God tells you more about your world. Which one informs your conversation for the day? I hear people talking around me, you know, when I'm in restaurants or just people, and just, did you hear and did you watch and did you see and did you, you know, those kinds of things. It, which one informs your conversation for the day? Here's another one. Are you more apt to vent to someone else or pray to the one who can make a difference? Are you more apt to vent to this person or vent to him? Jesus warned us about being distracted by the wrong things. And I don't know if you know this, but distractions can lead to worry and anxiety and ultimately turmoil and chaos in your life. It robs us of peace. We all know this story. It's Jesus is hanging out with two sisters named Martha and Mary. Here's the passage in Luke chapter 10, verse 40 and 41. But Martha was, oh, there's that word, distracted. Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, or we could modernize this, Martha was distracted by Facebook. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. You are worried and distracted by many things. I believe distractions can cause you to be worried, which can ultimately cause turmoil. Another uh, way to translate this is, uh, is um, trouble and, or turmoil. You're anxious because you're distracted by many things. Which of the two sisters this morning describes you? Which of these two sisters describe you? 
distracted and in turmoil are sitting hungrily at God's footstool. Which one of them describes you? Here's what Jesus said to choose, and I don't have this verse. I meant to put the next verse up there. But here's what Jesus said to choose. He said he took, went on and he said, only one thing is needful. One thing. And we can sum that up, and it's a, it's a no-brainer for Christians. It's a no-brainer for believers. We can sum it up with one word or one person. That is God. This God with whom we have to do. This God with whom we have a relationship with. Really, as I thought about this yesterday, I realized every human being has a relationship with this God, even if it's just a creature-creator relationship. Everybody has a relationship with God. Now, some are more intimate. If, we're, if you're a believer, your relationship with God is more intimate. But every human being born into the world has a relationship with God. Again, even if it's just creator-creature, that's a, that's a relationship. And so if there is a God, and let me just say, and I've said this before in the past, I threatened to do a sermon on it one day down the road, but, but I don't believe in atheists. I believe, you know, the Bible teaches that every man is born with this, this understanding, this sense of God, that they are without excuse, that an atheist is not someone who, who doesn't believe in God, it's someone who resists or says no to or rejects the God that they do experience on the inside. They just, just flat out choose to say no to that sense of God on the inside. That's a side message that I could preach, and i got verses to prove that. But here's the thing. If there is a God, and God is who he says he is, if God is who he says he is, if there is a God that is greater and more powerful and wiser and bigger and all the other stuff, then we must take him seriously. We better take him seriously if there is a God. And the problem is we get so used to the concept of God that, you know, it's kind of ho-hum. You yawn and, oh, yeah, there is a God and I serve this God and, you know, we sing about him on Sundays and blah, blah, blah. But if there is a God and he is who he says he is, wiser, greater, more powerful, etc., we not only must take him seriously, but we better take him seriously because our very life and existence depended on and depends on that God. He is above all and over all. I want to talk to you about two theological words. And uh, I, uh, <clears throat> these, aren't your, these are not words that you will find in the Bible but most systematic theologies will talk about these two concepts that the Bible talks about. We've just, we just use our own English language and define, uh, like Trinity is not found in the Bible, we believe in the Trinity. This, these are two words that theologians use and they throw around, and it's about the two concepts of God being both far away and, and being near. Theologians call God being above all and over all, they call it transcendence. Okay, transcendence. The Bible uses phrases like this to describe God's transcendence. He is exalted above the heavens. He is seated on high. He rules over all. So if you look again at this background that I have here, you know, we look in, into, into the heavens, into the sky, and, and, you know, the eye can only see so far into the sky, and we know that there are... There are worlds and galaxies beyond us that we can't see, and even our best telescopes can't see them. 
And as far as we can look, God is bigger than that and farther than that and so forth, so we know that God is transcendent. But even these words, this language, he is exalted above the heavens, he is seated on high, he rules over all, all these seem to fall short of his majesty. And here's where the Google search comes in. No Google search will ever help us fathom the depths of who God is in his glory. Man's words will always fail to discover the mystery of who God is. That's his transcendence, that he is otherworldly, he is other. You know the word holy, I think, where God talks about God being holy, I believe is the, the Hebrew meaning of that is other. He is, is somebody other than us in, that, in, the, in, in one sense. And so the various authors of our Bible strain to describe him, but they fail with their words. They try to, they try to describe God. David, Isaiah, and Paul search for words to express God, but eventually they surrender to the mystery that is God. But they all say similar things. They all came to this conclusion, and we love these, these authors. We love Isaiah, David in the Psalms. We love Paul's writings and so forth. But these guys, and, and Paul even caught up to the third heaven, you know, at some point says, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to describe God in words. But even what he saw, there was beyond what he saw. And so they say these kinds of things. David said this in Psalm 139, verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And then Psalm 145, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Google won't search. Google will never define God's mystery. They can tell you concepts about God, but it will never, we, human beings cannot define the mystery that is God. And then, and then uh, Isaiah says this in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. It is unsearchable. And finally, Paul says something similar in Romans eleven thirty three. 33. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. So these are guys that knew God intimately. Paul said, oh, that I may know him. And yet in, in, in his seeking and straining and to know God, he says, can't be done. There's an unknowability about God. He is transcendent. And because he is transcendent, we must worship him and no other. But the Bible teaches that God is not only transcendent, but he is also, the second theological word is imminent. So transcendence and imminence. Transcendence means out there. Imminence means right here. God is far and God is near. And that's the other word. Imminence means God is nearby, close at hand, next to us, and even surrounding us. That too is a, is a great mystery. And it is affirmed by the angel to Joseph when he said this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, when the angel said to Joseph, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God is imminent. God is here. God has come to us. 
So God is near each of us at all times. That's called his imminence. And if he is imminent, I said if he is transcendent, then we must bow and worship him. If he is imminent, then we must pay attention to him. We must fix our eyes on him. So God is, is both at the same time near us and far away. And that's the verse, we'll put it up again, Jeremiah 23, 23 that I started with. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? He is transcendent and imminent. Now, once again, transcendence is distant. He is way up there, and we're down here. He is other. He is, he is otherworldly. He is God, and we are creatures. So if God is transcendent, as I said, we must bow down and worship him. We must fall before him and worship at his footstool. But God is also imminent, and being imminent, that means he is right here, right now, surrounding us, ever-present, very present. In him we live and move and have our being. If God is imminent, we must embrace him and follow him and take him seriously. And that's the point of this message. The point of this message was, is that God, you know, a lot of people, and I'll get into this in just a second, but a lot of people think God is up there and they, they think of God as being distant. But Him being with us makes all the difference in the world because it means we have to take Him seriously. If God is a long ways off and He's kind of forgotten us and we can kind of just do our own thing, that's one thing. But if, it, but if that God, if that transcendent God is right here, right now, then we better take him seriously. By the way, God takes us seriously. God, is, God took us so seriously that he came into our world to become a part of us. That's how serious God was about us. God in his transcendence decided, I, am, I take that, those creatures, I take humanity so seriously that I'm going to come and become a part of them. Let's reverse that. Can we take God seriously enough to be part of his world, part of his kingdom, part of what he's doing and what he's about? I thought a lot about this yesterday, and I know I'm getting a little bit theological this morning, but to me, I needed this because I needed to focus on him and his transcendence and his eminence. But we need for God to be both transcendent and imminent. Just one of those two won't do. And let me tell you the reason for this. If we just have one, for instance, if God is just transcendent, and a lot of people think of God this way. He's the man upstairs. He's a long ways away. He's sitting. He's, he's, too, he's, he's too distracted himself to, to mess with us. So he's way up there. And we just kind of have to muddle through life on our own. We have to make our own way. And it's, it's what humanism says. Humanism, humanism says uh, that uh, we, must, we must make our own way. We, we're saving our own lives is one of the tenets of, of humanism. So that's all about man. That's man-centered. So if God is up there not dealing with us, he's just transcended up there somewhere, then... Uh, he doesn't mess with the things down here, then we have to just muddle through life. But we know he didn't remain distant. The Bible says that God is not only transcendent, but he's imminent. 
But if God is only imminent and not transcendent, if he's just here and not there, then he's no different than us. He, he becomes one of us, and being just one of us, he becomes too familiar to be worshipped. We don't bow down to somebody who's just like us. We don't bow down to each other. And so if God, is, if God has become so familiar that he's one of us and that sort of thing, it's, it's, it's exactly what the neighbors, Jesus' neighbors, those he grew up around, said about him during his life. Remember what they said? Is not this Joseph's son? We know this kid. We watched him grow up. No big deal. So familiar. They're not going to bow down and worship this boy that grew up in their, in their town, right? So if God is just imminent and we become so familiar with him that there's no bowing down, there's no reverence, there's no awe, there's no amazing you know, uh, thoughts of who God is and what God is, and so we, we, don't, we don't worship. We, we have to let God be God. We have to let God be who he is and who he says he is. On the one hand, incomprehensible, we can't know him, but on the other hand, Paul crying out that I may know him. Wow. Listen, if the concept of God means anything at all, then we, need, then we, can't, we can't expect God to fit into our own preconceived ideas about him. God is beyond our imagination. He is beyond our, dis, our description. If we could easily define him, if we could easily define God, then he's no longer God. He's no longer a mystery. No big deal. We can, we can put God in a box. We can figure it out. We can do a Google search. We can find everything there is to know about God. Done. We know God now. And God remain, does, no, no longer remains a mystery. Then he is no longer God, but he's merely a bigger pro- projection of ourselves if we can define him. But we do know the unknowable, so we do understand the incomprehensible. This is, this is we can at the same time do two things. And I, and I have several contrasts here, and I'm going to close with this. And I'm probably going to read this because I, I wrote these things down as I was thinking this through. We can have both at the same time. We can bow down and worship at his footstool, transcendence, but we can walk with him in the cool of the day, eminence. Isn't that cool? We can stand in awe and wonder on the one hand, but share our deepest needs in our Father's lap. That's eminence. We can be utterly bewildered in the mystery of who he is and yet know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I love that one. On the one hand, bewildered, we can't, God, we can't figure it out. We can say with Paul and David and Isaiah, too big, too, too, too much, blows our minds. We can't, we can't understand you. But on the other hand, Paul says we can know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Gosh. Imagine that. Being so blown away by who God is and yet being able to understand something that surpasses knowledge and that is his love. Okay? And one last thing. We can look up into the sky to him who is beyond our reach. I think I had one background where it showed the person kind of reaching up in the sky. We know we can't reach the sky. We know we can't reach God. We can't reach him. 
So we can look up into the sky to him who is beyond our reach. And yet John says this, two last verses here. Or no, this is first of all Luke. Luke in uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 27. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each, of, each one of us. And then I love this one. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 John 1, 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Can you imagine that? This God that we bow down and worship and we're in awe and we're bewildered by who he is and his bigness and his immenseness, and yet they said we touched him. We put our hands on him. We heard him. We hugged him. We embraced him. This is John saying, hey, we, we did all this. We embraced the word of life. We embraced God himself. What I, what I wanted to do this morning, my goal this morning was simply to make you hungry for God and to, and to get your minds back on God and to get you, first of all, in awe of who he is but then also for you to understand that in God's largeness and bigness and, you know, in that mighty God that we serve, that we can embrace him as well and he embraces us. To get you to understand that he, he has it all in, under control because he's transcendent. He sits above it all. He's there and nothing's taken him by surprise and He's not flustered by what's going on at all, like we get. We get it. We get flustered because we don't understand the way God does and thinks and his wisdom and all of those kinds of things. We just have to trust that. So there's that awe of who God is and, and, and really some, somehow the comfort of knowing that he is over it all, but then at the same time know that he, he cares about me and he comes and he's imminent with me and he walks with me and he talks with me and he and he leads me by the hand and leads me in the way that I don't know and I can come to him saying God I'm weak in in my understanding I'm weak in my in my you know I, I don't I don't know what's going on I'm confused I'm in turmoil I'm anxious and all those kinds of things and we can understand that this this immense God now is in our world in, in, and when I say our world, I mean your personal world. Not is in our world, but in your personal world, in your worlds. He's in your world. And acting on your behalf. So let God be transcendent in your life where you bow and worship him and you're say, you say, God, I can do nothing but just fall before your face. You're too too great beyond me but at the same time know that he can put his arm around you and you can walk together walk in the cool of the day you can talk to him intimately and you can share your burdens with him and unburden to him and his eminence with you let him let him be both because he is both in your life and don't let one become the don't let one become all that god you're up there and i'm on my own or God, you're down here, and so I'm not. Don't care a whole lot because I'm familiar with you. You need both in your life. Amen. Let's pray.